are you from? That's such an interesting question. Um, like, how am I supposed to answer it in one word or? When you are kind of this like weird in between thing, I think a lot of people get really confused. They're like, I think there's a learning process for each interaction you have with locals. Being adopted and being in China is like very unique. So coming back here, sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, it's like I'm a kid again. I'm more in tune with China now. <laughs> Uh, I still feel that I'm a foreigner mm -hmm. here. It's just like the states is still home. They're basically like welcome back to the mothership, right? <laughs> yeah. You've been you've been yeah, gone for you, so you, long. Yeah, exactly. Now you recognize where your home is, right? This is Hannah. And this is Tony. And this episode's topic is a personal one to us at Looking for Lawai. This week, we're exploring the experience of being foreign, but of Chinese descent. See, most of us here at Looking for Lawai have some kind of Chinese heritage. And we feel like we're in this weird in-between space between being foreign and being Chinese. In my case, my mom is from Taiwan, my dad is a white American, and I grew up in the United States. I was born in China, adopted when I was nine months old, and raised in the U.S. by white American parents. This week, we're joined by Ali, a producer on the show, and Christine, friend, roommate, correspondent. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, sure. Hey, everyone. I'm Ali. I was born and raised in London, but my parents are from Hong Kong. Hi, guys. My name is Christine, born and raised in New Jersey, and my parents are from Taiwan. So we actually had a hard time deciding on what to call people like us. So we started off with this term ABC, American-born Chinese, but obviously it's too American-centric, and I kept having to remind everyone about that. As for foreign-born Chinese, well, it isn't a term that applies to, say, adoptees from China, or those who emigrated at a young age. Or those who are mixed. And how many generations do you have to go back before you aren't considered Chinese anymore? So, anyway, we settled on people of Chinese heritage, or Chinese heritage expats, even if it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. We just want to be inclusive. Just a disclaimer, while we tried to find a diversity of Chinese heritage voices, most of the people we'll hear from today are from the US. Expatriate, foreigner, Guoren, lao wai. These are all words for similar things, but what the heck does it all mean? On this podcast, we are looking for understanding, looking for complication, looking for stories. We are looking for Lawai. Do you feel more Chinese since coming to China? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's one of those weird things when you look different from everyone else in the U.S., but then when I come here in China, I also look different from everyone else here. So it reminds me more about how I'm American. I don't really feel Chinese at all here, at least culturally. But I do get recognized as Chinese more because I look Chinese. I'm not immediately identifiable as a foreigner. Yeah, I agree. I definitely don't feel like I'm more Chinese. Like I used to say I'm British Chinese, but now I always tell people I'm British and then I specify that my parents are from Hong Kong. Oh, wow. That's that's really weird. Yeah, so I definitely feel like my Americanness is accentuated since coming here, um, especially because I apparently have the most American accent a lot of Chinese people I've ever heard. 
But I also do feel a little bit more Chinese in so far that a lot of the things my mom said to me while growing up that made absolutely no sense at the time now kind of click. We conducted a survey asking this question. Do you feel more Chinese since coming to China? And over half our respondents, like Christine, felt they had become more Chinese since living here. You can check out the full survey results on this episode's show notes. Here are some people that we interviewed from the survey. I feel a little bit more Chinese when I'm here, just because it seems like I'm not quite like you know 100% foreign, and I have you know history here, I have family here, and so sometimes like in some some so- social groups, I identify myself as more Chinese. Others, I identify myself as more foreign. In America, I'd probably say that I'm proud to be um, like Chinese American, whereas here it's like I'm proud to be Chinese actually. My name is Christina. I was raised in Italy. When I am with very local people, for example, when I'm with my grandpa, I probably feel that I am a little bit more Italian. And then when I'm with Italian people, I know that I am not Italian. Look at my face, you know, they will not think I'm Italian, of course. But then when I talk with them and I, I speak Chinese, like, of course, they will ask me, where do you grow up or how come you speak Italian so well? Mm-hmm. So they will know that I, I grew up in Italy. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times they will say, like, oh, you are more Italian than me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm pretty happy with both identities. Like, you should be proud to be Italian, but you should be proud to be Chinese as well. Yeah. Most Chinese heritage expats we spoke with navigate this in-between space of not quite being Maui, but not being Chinese-Chinese. I like how we use this term Chinese-Chinese to differentiate a foreigner of Chinese heritage from a Chinese national, because, I mean, we're all ethnically Chinese, but just not ethnically Chinese and of Chinese nationality. Yeah, and also there are a lot of different ways and concepts of what it is to be Chinese, linguistically, ethnically, nationally, culturally. And then there are terms for people of Chinese descent, like Huaren, Huayi, Huachiao, none of which have direct equivalents in English. Yeah. So these terms all essentially refer to people with Chinese ancestry who have grown up or are living outside of China. But what do Chinese people have to say about these terms and about us? Tony and Christine talked to Vicky and Shine, two of Tony's Chinese friends. Vicky and Shine are two of my colleagues. Vicky and I work very closely together, and we talk a lot in Chinese. And then sometimes she says this thing, she's like, oh, you don't count as a foreigner anymore. But then sometimes I do something really foreign, and then she goes, oh, hi, oh, I see you're still a foreigner. I wanted to talk to her about why she does this, and quickly this discussion turned to be about Huayi Huaqiao. So here Vicky is saying, as long as you have a Chinese face, then you are Huayi. We kept posing different scenarios of Chinese heritage uh, with different levels of culture understanding and different levels of Mandarin speaking abilities. When we pose these different scenarios, there's a lot of back and forth. Do they count as Chinese? Yes, no, wait, yes, why? Yeah. 
And there was also a lot of kind of disagreement almost on what Hawaii actually meant, uh, especially in relation to being a Laowai and this idea of being a quote-unquote real foreigner versus someone more like a Hawaii. And here I ask, well, can Hawaii be Laowai? And they say, no, we wouldn't call you a Laowai, we would call you a Hawaii. And then I ask, what's the difference between a Hawaii and a Laowai? And they say a Laowai is someone who is completely foreign, like a black person or a white person. But if you are in any way yellow, any way Chinese, then you are Hawaii. So, for counting as Hawaii or Huachiao or Chinese, it mostly boils down to one thing, the Chinese bloodline. If you have Chinese blood in you, even if you're a fifth-generation immigrant with no cultural or national connection to China, you're still considered a Huayi. You're not truly considered foreign here in China. That's kind of nice in a way. You're welcomed quote-unquote, back into this motherland, even if you don't speak a word of the language. So actually that discussion really clarifies things for me, because I see it as a Venn diagram, where Laowai and Chinese are two overlapping circles, and then Huayi, Huarun, Huaitiao, those identities are the bit in the middle. That conversation was entirely in Mandarin Chinese, but as you may have noticed, while I can mostly understand Mandarin, sometimes I have a hard time expressing myself completely fluently. I think this is the same for a lot of people that grew up with Mandarin-speaking parents. Actually, this one time I was talking to this Chinese guy, and I guess my Mandarin was pretty bad, and he goes, what kind of parents must yours be if they don't teach you Mandarin Chinese? But my parents taught me Cantonese, which is completely different. I spoke with a Swedish-Chinese expat woman about how she navigates these expectations in terms of language. Yeah, yeah, since I look Chinese, uh, people expect me to speak Chinese. Sometimes I just feel stupid. And I think I'm, I'm going to have an interview next week, and it's going to be in Chinese. And I feel like if I was Western-looking, they would just be impressed. Mm-hmm. But since now I'm not Western-looking, I still think they will not say, your Chinese is so good. Mm-hmm. They will always say, your Chinese is... Why is your Chinese not so good? Yeah, I definitely feel that. When I started learning Mandarin here, all one of my white friends would have to do was say, ni hao. And Chinese people would be like, wow, your Chinese is amazing. But if I said anything in Chinese, they'd just be like, why can't you speak Chinese? Allie, you're not alone in this. I feel that way too. 80% of our survey respondents also said that they felt like they were held to a different standard than other expats when speaking Mandarin Chinese. Ann tells this story. It's been really good. Um, I mean, being like Chinese, I feel like I blend in so people don't really talk to me. <laughs> they just like assume that I'm Chinese, but I mean, I still get people staring at me a lot because I think they can see that I do my makeup and I dress like a foreigner, and I think they just get really confused. <laughs> so maybe you feel like you don't totally fit in with Chinese people because of language issues, but what about fitting in with other foreigners? Harrison tells us his experience. The disadvantages with the Westerners, you know, from my perspective, from, a, from we'll call it a TCK perspective, a third culture kid perspective, is that they also see you as an other. So by being this interme- intermediary between two worlds, you don't get any, like, true base where people just assume you are one of them. You're just kind of, like, lost in translation a little bit. I guess that's one of the disadvantages. A lot of locals here, if they do find out you are a Westerner, you're immediately judged without them being open-minded in the way that we were talking about before. I'll say that's the biggest disadvantage, is that people are generally closed-minded 
if they sense like an otherness and they're not willing to accept it into their paradigm of how like the world operates. Just walking around Shanghai, people don't always recognize us as foreign. Yeah, a number of interviewees just now talked about blending in and looking like everyone else. Sometimes this feels good, and sometimes it doesn't. Before, I always thought of it as a bad thing. Like you might get a little confused about why your white friends get treated a certain way, but you aren't treated that way. But then I had a conversation with a professor at NYU Shanghai, and that honestly completely changed the way I thought about this. My name is Heather Lee, and I'm assistant professor of history at NYU Shanghai, and I study the Asian American experience and history of immigration to the United States and ethnic businesses. My parents are also Taiwanese; they met in Taiwan. My grandmother and grandfather from my mother's side came from Jiangsu. She introduced me to this idea of normative privilege. Being here grants them a certain kind of race privilege too. I mean,、mm. this is the way I've experienced like. Oh, I'm normative here. I'm invisible, and it's something that I'm not used to. So, yeah. So that part of it is the unexpected surprises of the power of being normative. Yeah.、Uh, the way I act in China, I feel like I'm almost like a white person in the states. Where because like we were saying、oh, yeah, about being、absolutely. normative, like you're almost the status quo. So、yeah. the point of like. Um, race versus no race. Yeah.、Right? If you're white in the states, it's you don't have a race versus the others who have a race. Oh, absolutely. No, no, and that 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 exactly is what I mean. Like、mm-hmm. normative privilege. Instead of saying white、yeah. privilege, it's just、Norm. being whatever is the assumed default、mm-hmm. um, is incredibly powerful. And it was kind of strange to occupy that space to think like, oh, this is like what white people feel like. <laughs> Good times. I've said that since coming here. No, no, no. When they're in like the suburb shopping at the grocery store, <laughs> or yeah, yeah, this is like oh, this is what invisibility feels like.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Compared to being in the U.S., where I'm always singled out for being the Asian Hannah, it's nice to walk down the street and feel like I'm kind of incognito. Yeah, it's really nice to be the default, you know, to walk around and be the majority, the status quo. It's also refreshing to think about it this way. Sometimes you get caught up thinking about how you are treated differently than non-Chinese-looking expats. It's a good reminder. Throughout our interviews, people had a lot of different and sometimes conflicting feelings about how they want to identify themselves. And how they get identified by others. One thing that we did find was that there was a sense of fluidity in terms of how Chinese heritage expats get to identify and in what spaces that happens. Here's how Byron put it: I had this thought sometimes that it is kind of nice to just blend in, and you know, I think Chinese people like to, the things that they aren't familiar with. Yeah, they tend to you know they're very curious and they stare、uh, and they just are more they treat you differently. Yeah, most yeah. importantly,、um, like I've heard about. Those bars that they let foreigners drink for free, or something yeah, like that,、yeah. and it's kind of funny because it's like, oh, I'm a foreigner too, but they wouldn't think so. <laughs> like I wouldn't be a part of that because you know I look really Chinese.、Uh-huh. So、uh, that's definitely nice at times,、mm-hmm. you know, just to be low key.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is actually how I think. I think it is nice to be somewhere 
where everyone kind of looks like you. I don't know. There's like a mm-hmm. comforting feeling, but the, it's weird because I had no problem growing up in America yeah. in like a melting pot, but in China, it just there is a sort of feeling. I definitely wouldn't say it's negative to be in like a kind of more uniform society, uh, and that. But that's just for me personally. Yeah. It's like a little feeling of comfort. Byron touches on this idea of your identity changing depending on the social spaces you're in. Sometimes you get to choose which spaces to be a part of, and sometimes you don't. As always, it's complicated. Just listen to Joy as she grapples with this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like, hell yeah, they think I'm Chinese. Other times, like, God, they think I'm Chinese. Um, how could they? So when I'm talking with someone, I want to be thought of as Chinese because I want to think my Chinese accent is that good. And then um, sometimes... In social situations, I don't want to be thought as of as Chinese what because, kind of social um, like meeting strangers in a place where I want to like get to know people, like at a bar. Yeah, yeah, like that, or um, amongst my peers, I don't want to be thought of as Chinese, which is stupid because there's nothing shameful about being from China. But then, to me, being American was such a bigger part of my life that it feels almost offensive to just look at my face and then think, oh, you're Chinese. Yeah. So. Yeah, we get that. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout all our interviews and discussions, we found that this is really complex stuff. Chinese heritage expat is a separate identity. We're not completely Chinese, but we're also not completely foreign. In some ways, it's nice because we can be whatever we want to be. Special thanks to Rohan Phoenix for letting us use his track, Foreign, by Guoren. You should all check him out. That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Do you have any stories to tell? Suggestions for future episodes? Email us at lookingforlawai at gmail.com. You can also stay up to date with all the latest episodes by following us on Facebook or signing up for our newsletter on our webpage, www.lookingforlawai.wordpress.com. See you next time. Bye, guys.